How many of you, think with me real quick, how many of you remember the first time you flew on an airplane? Y'all remember that? Raise your hand if you do. And some of you have flown so many times that you just you really can't remember the first time you flew. I remember the first time I flew on an airplane, and here's, I mean, I could go into detail about it. I, I remember it like it was this afternoon. Uh, it wasn't. It was the summer of 1992, and I flew on, it wasn't quite a puddle jumper, but it was a one step above a puddle jumper, if y'all know what a puddle jumper is. And y'all know me well enough now, you know, I'm kind of a jumpy sort of a person. I'm nervous. Uh, I'm scared, okay? I'm a chicken about a lot of things. And the, I, I was uh, 20 years old. I was a summer intern in Newport News, Virginia. And I was flying to Houston, Texas to, to preach a teen camp. And I never wanted to, I, I just, I, I, I'd never flown. Now, just to be honest, I was scared to death. I mean, I'm just going to tell you like it is. I was scared to death. And I had all these images in my head of what was going to take place that were going to go wrong. And uh, I remember literally, uh, I literally thought, I, I, I had to literally, as I was sitting there fixing to get on the plane, I had to literally tell myself to control my breathing because I thought I was going to hyperventilate. <laughs> I was so scared. I'm, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed to tell you that. I mean, not a lot embarrassed, cause, but I mean, I'm a little embarrassed to tell you how scared I was because I had never flown before. And then I kept telling myself, Dodo, hundreds, millions, millions, billions of people have flown. It's just the history of flight. And you're, what are you so worried about? And then I'd pray, you know, I'd, Lord, help me. Help me not to be such a sissy. It just, you know, Jesus, help me. Anyway, so, man, the Lord helped me not to hyperventilate. I found my seat. This is right there near the, you know, door. I thought, well, that's good, you know. If things get bad, I can always bolt out. And then it dawned on me, no, you cannot do that, you know. I'll never forget when we took off. Almost went into cardiac arrest, you know, as we were taking off. But then I'll never forget the moment, really, seriously, we got above the clouds. And I realized it dawned on me, you know what, we're not going to (laughs) crash. At least right now, we're not going to crash. And then I looked out the window, and I'm like, wow, this is unreal. This is awesome. And then I thought, man, think about all the thousands of years that people couldn't fly and didn't fly. They didn't ever get to see this view. Only the birds and the Lord did, right? That's what dawned on me. I'm like, man. And then then it dawned on me, CP, what were you so scared of? Well, let me tell you what I was scared of. I was scared of the unknown. Right? Because I had never been above the clouds before. I'd never flown. I'd heard about flying, read about flying, watched other people fly. But I, I had never flown before. I'd never been there before. 
And then I, I remember thinking, man, this is incredible. How is this even possible? I mean, I mean, some jumbo jetliners weigh almost a million pounds, like 900 and some thousand pounds plus. That's not supposed to lift off the ground. You know, you ever thought that? How does that hunk of metal get off the ground and actually fly around the world, across the ocean? I can't figure out how it flies across the county, much less over the ocean. You see, I was nervous because I'd never been there before. And we're about to read these verses of Scripture where God is going to tell the children of Israel, hey, hey, I want you to do this and this and this and this because, listen, listen, where I'm taking you, you've never been there before. And this whole study, the Jordan River rules, it's about transitions in life. And can I tell you something? Transitions are normal. Every life is a life in transition. A normal, healthy Christian life, a growing Christian life is a life of transition and change. Our lives are not supposed to stay the same. There's transition. And you know this. Human nature says that transitions naturally bring a sense of uneasiness in our spirit. Somebody said nobody likes change and that a baby is the only one that likes change. And that's true. (laughs) Nobody likes change. We're all creatures of habit. Even the person who they would say, no, man, I can take it. Even they have routine. Everybody has routine. Everybody likes things to be, at least some things, to be predictable. And man, when there's a transition, and you've never been that way before, and you've never gone through that season of life before, and you don't know what to anticipate, you don't know what to expect, you don't know how to handle it, it's uncharted territory. That's when our fear can arise. Our anxiety, and folks, you know this, anxiety is a very, very real thing. The uncertainty in battling that and dealing with that and overcoming that. Notice verse 1. Tonight we're talking about expect God to guide you where you've never been before. Verse 1 of Joshua 3. And Joshua rose early in the morning. And they removed from Shittim. By the way, let me say that that is called by many scholars Acacia Grove. An acacia. You say, what is acacia? Acacia was a tree. By the way, acacia wood, also known as Shittim wood, was the very wood that was used for the tabernacle. And apparently where they had resided was an acacia grove known for large abundance of acacia trees. So it says that they removed from there and they came to the Jordan River, the east side of the Jordan River. And all the children of Israel, and they lodged there before they passed over the river. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host. And here's what they said. They commanded the people, verse 3. This is important. When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, 
And when you see the priest, the Levites, bearing the Ark of the Covenant, then ye shall remove from your place, circle that, and go after it. Go after what? Go after the Ark. And there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. You're like, now wait a minute. God said, I want you to follow it, verse 4, but I want you to to put 2,000 cubits of distance between you and the ark? Now, wonder why that is. We'll find out in just a moment. Come not near unto it, he said, that you may know the way by which you must go. And then here's the phrase. Here's the statement. For you have not passed this way heretofore. In other words, you hadn't gone this way before. You've never been here before. And that's true. Even though they spent 40 years, gang, circling in the wilderness like an airplane that's ready to land on a, on a runway. Now it's time to quit circling. And God says, I want you to know, you've never gone this way before. It's interesting. Uh, he says that, that I want you to stay behind the ark. When you see the ark, when you see the high priest, pick up the ark and move and take off with the ark. He said you get 2,000 cubits behind it. As my understanding is, this was what they referred to as the biblical mile. Now, it's not an exact mile according to our standards. It's probably... Uh, estimated anywhere between a half mile and three-fourths of a mile. But he said, I want you to stay that distance away from the ark. They were to stay far enough away from it in order for them to keep it fully in view and in front of them. If they got too close, with the number of people they had, they had, it's estimated between 1.5, 2.5 million people. If all that crowd were to rush right up on it, then not everybody could have seen the ark. But God in his infinite wisdom, I never cease to be amazed at the, at the, at the genius of God in his instruction. So practical all through the word of God. You know, when we read it, we're like, man, wonder why the Lord did that. Well, here's why he said this. He said, I want you to stay a half mile to three fourths of a mile behind it. So you could always keep it in front of you. So you could always know where it is and where I'm leading you to go. And wherever that ark goes, that's where I want you to go. And so notice verse 4. Here's the key statement. And it's this, if you're in the habit of taking notes and circling things. Circle this one. God says, you've not passed this way before. Robert Morgan said, moving onward into the unexplored future can be as daunting a task as dark continents... (laughs) Blazing deserts or hostile jungles. But the future is not uncertain to God. I like that statement. He knows tomorrow as well as he knows yesterday. Brother Wayne prayed just a moment ago about how God knew, God knew, God wasn't caught off guard on Monday morning here in the States, Monday afternoon in India, Monday evening in India. God knew the very moment that Carlton came into this world, God already knew his very time of death. 
Could God have changed it? Yes, but in God's infinite wisdom and providence and control, he let it be such. Nothing catches God by surprise. He's already there. He's where? He's already in the future. He knows it infinitely. You know why he knows it? Because he's planned it. Every jot and tittle, every detail of your future, of your existence, Jesus has already planned out. He is already there. You don't have to worry about the future because he's already there. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to fret. You don't have to, to just drive yourself crazy about the unknown because the unknown is not unknown to God. It's unknown to you. It's uncharted territory for me. It's unplanned, but not to him. Somebody said, accurately, has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? He knows. I preacher, what about such as whatever you want to put in the blank? What about whatever? He knows. We've never gone that way before. We've never been that way before. We've never lived in tomorrow yet. But he's already there. (laughs) The ark, which represented the very presence of God himself, and we'll talk about that next time, it represented the very presence of God. God was already out in front of them. And can I tell you tonight, dear friend, Man, when you go home, go home with this truth. You say, preacher, what's going to happen to me tomorrow? I don't know what's going to happen to you tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen to you in five minutes. Here's what I know. God's already there. I don't know what battles you're going to face tonight or tomorrow or next week or next year. God's already there. That ark went before him. Those high priests were toting that ark that represented the very presence of God. We'll learn next time what was in the ark. What was in the ark? Because even the things that were in the ark are symbolic of what God wants you and I to hang on to as we journey in transition. How awesome God is. Hebrews 11 verse 8 in talking about Abraham, he said, Abraham, when he was called by God, this is, this is interesting to me, when God called him, he obeyed. Man, that's just plain, but that's how it happened. God called him, he obeyed, he went out, and here's what it says, even though he didn't know where he was going. And you know what's interesting? 400 years later, the descendants of Abraham were doing the same thing. At this stage in their journey, the Israelites were no longer wanderers. They had spent 40 years wandering. Now they are explorers. That's a cool statement to me. They're about to have to explore the land of Canaan. They're about to have to navigate the Jordan River. They were entering uncharted territory, uncharted to them, unknown to them, unconquered by them, but not to God. So I'm going to lay this first truth on you, then we're going to pray. Truth number one. You still with me? Don't despise transitions, but prepare for them. Don't despise transitions. Prepare for them. 
Transitions are a part of life. Our church has gone through transitions. We went through a biggie eight years ago. Ginormous. That's big. It was tough. Our longtime pastor of 33 years. No longer our pastor. Some grieved that almost like a funeral. We all grieved him not being here. That's a tough transition. Transitions are hard. But don't despise the transition. You know why? Because you can't avoid transition. It's a part of life. I mean, we can cry and bellyache and whine and moan all we want to about, well, I'll tell you, it ain't like it used to be. Ain't nothing like it used to be except this book right here. The world isn't what it used to be. I mean, people are crazier and crazier now than they've ever been. Can I get an amen right there? But this book remains the same, right? Transitions happen in life. (laughs) Your kids, my kids. Can I just be flat honest with you? Don't, hey, don't tell my children I say this, please. I, 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 there's, there's some elements about my children getting older I don't like. I don't like the whole dating scenario. <laughs> How many, do y'all, I, I'm just being, can your preacher be honest with you tonight? Amen. I don't, I, I ain't ready for that mess. But old big A Andrew Powell is. <laughs> Whether I like it or not. <laughs> He's head and shoulders. Head over heels. <laughs> over this dear young lady. And hey. You think I can stop that? No. I can try. But it ain't happening. Can I tell you something? You know what that, It's a transition in life. And, and hey, the transition I'm a little nervous about may be different than the one you're nervous about. Now, please don't tell him I said that, by the way. But you know what? We're all nervous about transitions. You know what? Aaron and I have already talked. Hey, I, I'm, again, I'm, I'm fixing to pray. You know what I've, I've told her? I, I fear sometimes, I'm just, I use that word correctly, getting older and getting to a point where losing my mental faculties. I'm just being honest. <laughs> Brother Chuck just reaffirmed that as it gets going to get worse. Thank you for the encouragement, Bartimus. But anyway, you know, hey, but you know what? We all, whether it's the transition of aging that we all deal with, right? Whether it's the transition of your children going through a different season, right? Hey, or whether it's a financial transition. Some of you have experienced a financial transition in the last year, in the last five to ten years. You know what I'm talking about. Even a family transition. For some of you, it's been a literal transition, a geographical transition. Okay, don't despise it. Hear me, dear one. Hear me. Your life is held in the very hand of God. 
Don't despise the transition, but just prepare for it. God said here, look, look. He says, he says in verse 3, he says, now look, I want you to uproot. I want you to pack up everything because you're not coming back to shed them. You're not coming back to the acacia grove. You're not going to come back here. I want you to pack up all your stuff, and I want you to move forward and move out. Hey, here's the truth I'm going to leave you with, and then we're going to pray. You cannot move into the new season God wants you to move into if you stay where you are. Do you understand that? We cannot transition into a different season where God wants to take us. We can't move there while we stay right here. And that's hard for me. That's hard for us to grasp and to understand. But God gives grace through every and any transition. So don't despise it. Trust him for it. Ask him to help you prepare for it. And ask him this. God, help me to be joyful in the transition. I think for me sometimes that's the most difficult thing for me to do. Is to remain joyful. When I'm walking through uncharted waters. And we're going to learn how to do that. Next time.